So we're separate together. And we are live back with everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our service this morning. Uh, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Church. So excited to be with you this morning. And we're going to dive right into the Word of God this morning. Is everybody excited for the Word this morning? Amen. Uh, just wanted to make a mention that our pastors, Pastor Mike and Ev, are away uh, today. Praise Jesus. It is good to get away. It is good to rest. And so we're so glad that they could uh, get some time away with just the two of them. Uh, hello, Pastor Mike and Ev. I uh, hope you're doing well. And you can comment on the online portion uh, to let us know that you are. That'd be great. Um, just for those of you who are new here, um, we want to welcome you, especially if you're new to our service, uh, our in-person service, especially welcome. Uh, if you're new to our online service, welcome as well. We're so glad that you could join us this morning uh, from all over the world. I love the technology that allows us to connect this way. Uh, I, I heard it said during this pandemic that the internet is to the modern church what the Roman road was to the original church. Now, the Roman road gave access to the gospel all over the world. The internet now gives us access to people's homes, and we can connect to them that way. And it is the grace of God. Um, one time I was complaining to the Lord about the internet. I was like, God, there's so much just terrible stuff on the internet. And the Lord said to me, Matt, where grace abounds, there's sin abounds, there grace abounds much more. And God's grace is there, and he can redeem, and he can use things, and he's using the internet to reach uh, the world. Amen? Amen. So this morning, we're going to continue our series. Um, as Tanya mentioned earlier, uh, we are studying the book of First Peter. And today, Life Church, we are entering into the second chapter. We made it. Woo! So we are in chapter 2 today. If you have your Bibles, without any further ado, let's just dive right into it. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. But before we do that, we always do our refresher, which is the verse that we're basing this entire series on, which is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And it says here, All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectations. I just want to take a quick time out there and just talk about that idea for a moment, about great expectations. And then this morning, our passage, just so you know, you can turn there while I'm talking, is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. We're going to be reading that entire passage. But this idea of great expectations, I was thinking about that in light of our worship service this morning. And while we were worshiping, I was thinking about how when we get a chance to come together church, we, don't, we haven't had a chance to do this for a very long time. Some of us are out of practice. But when we come together in person like this, this is what we're doing, is we're telling the world around us to stop. And we're reminding ourselves that there is something that is the most important thing. And that is our relationship with the Lord. And when we sing these songs, we're basically prophesying to ourselves and the people around us of who God is. We're telling about his character and his nature. And the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. And as we declare these truths, as we sing these truths, we're giving notice to ourselves that the most important thing is happening right now. And it is our relationship and it's our connection to God. Church, he is here right now. Where two or three are gathered, there I am also in your midst. God is here with us right now to meet us as we come to this place. This is a holy moment. This is a chance for us to, to recalibrate our minds back into alignment with the word of God. 
And this morning, that's what we're going to do as we read this passage, and we spend a few moments unpacking it this morning. You guys with me? Okay, so here it is. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And just for those of you who are out of practice, uh, live church is not a spectator sport. You can participate. Amen? Amen? There we go. All right. All right. And for those of you online, you can write amen in your, in your comments, and that's good. Um, so here we go. 1 Peter 2, verses 1 through 12. So get rid of all... Be- I'm reading from the New Living Translation, by the way. Sorry. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babes, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you, you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, a chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor that God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble and the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercies. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. First Peter 2, 1 through 12. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning, Lord God, for your word. We thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, God. We thank you this morning that your word gives us direction. It shows us how we ought to live. God, it gives us a standard that will not change. Everything else, heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will not pass away. And this morning, we thank you for your word. We submit ourselves to it. We come under the authority of your word. And we pray this morning that that we would have our lives changed by your word. God, I get out of the way, and I pray that your word would be spoken forth this morning, Lord Jesus. God, that we could all hear it and we could all be changed by it. We thank you for it now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Okay, so 1 Peter, this idea is great expectations. And for those of you who have not been with us, again, I'll give you a quick synopsis and uh, 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 um, a reminder of what we've been talking about. 1 Peter is written to churches that are in a dispersion. They are kind of all over the place, and they are under great persecution. Peter is writing to these churches to encourage them. And he's saying, listen, you can even find great joy in the midst of this persecution. Why? Because if you know your how, you can overcome any what. And so, or you know your why, pardon me, you can overcome any how. So, so there is, sorry, there is, there is great joy you can even find in the midst 
of this persecution. And then he says, because we have great expectations. And he reminds these churches of the fact that we have hope in eternity. We have hope in heaven. And we know that there is a great joy that is coming for us. And then he talks about some very practical things. He talks about um, how we ought to live in light of that. We ought to live a holy life. And last week we talked about that. We talked about being awake and aware is the foundation for holiness, knowing who God is and what the standard is, knowing uh, that we fall short of that standard, but that God gives us righteousness. He gives us his holiness. He gives us uh, the purity that we need to access the presence of God. And now here we are today in chapter two. And what is he doing? Well, he continues on at the end of the last portion of scripture that we just read. Paul, uh, Peter talks a lot about the word of God. He talks about how we are saved by the word of God, that uh, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. But the word of the Lord endures forever is what he says. And now this is the word by which the gospel is preached to you. Then he says, so get rid of all the evil behavior, be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, all unkind speech. And like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk. I just want to take a quick moment to highlight this idea for just a moment, and then we're going to move into what we're talking about today. Craving the pure spiritual milk of the word. One of the things that I noticed when I was growing up and I used to get frustrated with is when I would go to church, it felt like I was hearing the same message every Sunday. And as a kid, I was like, come on, guys, like, aren't we smarter than that? Can't we get some like deeper knowledge, some, something that I haven't heard before? And why is that? Now, Peter here says that we ought to go after the pure spiritual milk of the word, like newborn babies. It's the simplicity. It's the fundamentals. And why is that? Here's what I love about the word of God, church. The word of God is not simply one idea or one thought. It is not simply a, a single dimension, but I find it to be a multi-dimensional book. I believe that you can read this word at one portion of your life and you can understand something from it that will give you life. And then as you grow and you mature and you change, you can read that same passage and God will give you a brand new revelation. It's, it's like there's, there's this idea of a paradigm shift, and that's the idea that you change your perspective and you read the same thing and there's a new dimension to the word of God. And church, we need to constantly be reminded of the basic truths of our salvation. We need to be constantly brought back to those ideas because there is life there and there's a new revelation for us. We ought to pursue the word. We have to go, ought to go after it. I am so grateful that our faith is built upon the word of God and not just some person or some man with some new revelation. We go back to the word of God, which stands forever. Amen? Amen. And on that word today, we're going to continue on talking about what Peter is talking about here, the encouragement to grow in your faith and the encouragement uh, uh, to stand strong. And last week he talks about being holy. This week what he does is he comes back to that idea of being holy, but he gives us some very practical uh, motivations for holiness. And the title of my message today is A New Identity, The Motive of Holiness. So today Peter gives us a motive for holiness. A motive for holiness. And what he talks about is this idea of identity. Here's my big idea today. How you live out your faith is directly connected to how you perceive your identity. Who you see yourself to be has a direct connection to how you act and who you become. Identity is foundational to how you live out 
your faith. And here in this passage, Peter lays out, I'm going I'm to highlight five identities that he declares to these people, to these churches and these people that are under this persecution. He lays out five ideas or five different um, uh, identities, different identities that he lays out to them. And we're going to talk about those this morning. Okay, so here we go. You ready? Here's the first one. The first one is this. Number one, we are called living stones. First Peter two, four through five says coming to him as to a living stone rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Okay, so here's this idea, and he, he, he highlights this a lot in this passage, is that we are actually a part of something much bigger than ourselves. We are living stones. When, when, when the, it, was, it was interesting, I went back and I looked at some of our messages before we went into the pandemic. And a lot of the messages that we had prior to the pandemic, just previous to it, we were talking a lot about this idea that the church is not a building. Right? Oh, man, that hits really close to home right now, doesn't it? Right? All you online folk, the church is not a building. Why? Because you are the body of Christ. And the Bible calls us the living stones. Do you know that there's no accidents here today? Do you know that God brought you here for a reason and for a purpose? That he has a plan for you? That there's a reason that you're here today? And that you are fitting in to God's plan as he is building his kingdom. We are part of the building of Christ. The, 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 the church is not a building, it's people. It's you and it's me. And as we come together, there's a few things I want you to understand about this. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. I want you to understand this about this idea, is that God is designing, planning, and completing the building for his glory. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God is working in you. This is what our identity is. We are living stones. We're part of something bigger than ourselves. And you are needed, and you are wanted, and you are valued. Amen? We are living stones. Number two is what he says. You, you should start feeling some warm fuzzies here as I'm starting to talk, talk about some of these things. You are a chosen generation. Somebody just say that right now. Let's just say, that just feels good. I am a chosen generation. Let's hear it. I am a chosen generation. Right? Does that feel good? I am a chosen generation. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I'm reminded of a song we used to sing when I was in high school. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Okay, that's enough. Just had to bring that back. It was stuck in the brain. It had to come out. Okay, sorry. You are a chosen generation. We got to write a new song about that, eh, babe? A chosen generation. Okay, so when we looked at that idea of a chosen generation, what does that talk about? When I looked at the original Greek, uh, the way that this, these words were put together, there, there's another idea here that you could use, which would be this idea of a favored family. Now, if you're feeling alone this morning, if you're coming here this morning, you're feeling lonely, and you're feeling like, man, I just, I don't know where I connect, where I belong. This is what Peter's saying. You belong to something greater than yourself. And you are part of a favored family. 
Come on, we all know these favored families throughout history. You know, when I start saying some of these names, you'll know what I'm talking about. Like Ford, right? How about Kennedy? There's these names where we, we think about when we think about favorite family. When, when I'm talking to my boy back there, I'm going to say we are the Jansons, right? So and there's an identity that comes with that. We're trying to establish that identity. Jansons are not quitters. For Jansons, the number one thing is, yell it out, son. Come on. What's the number one thing? Yo, come on now. Ton, what's the number one thing? Attitude. And Jesus, obviously, obviously. But the, we, <laughs> he knows. He's just being silly. He's being a teenager. Um, <laughs> we, the number one thing. So we have, a, we have a, a, an identity as a favored family. God has planned this. He has called you. He has brought you, and he's adopted you as his children. In Ephesians 1.11, it says, Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he has chosen us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. We are part of a family. We are called children of God. And we, we belong to him. And there's benefits that comes with that, church. There are benefits that come with that. We are a chosen generation. Number three, we are a royal priesthood. Now, I'm not going to deal too much with that royal comment, but I'm going to deal with that idea of a priest. And when we talk about this idea of priesthood, this would have had a lot of significance to the early church because they had just come from um, a background of Judaism where there was a priest that would act as a mediator between God and man. And the priest's job was to go and uh, perform rituals and sacrifices on behalf of the people, and he would be the one that would go between God and man. But this is what the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted, yet as we are, without sin. Let us therefore come boldly, this is the big idea here, to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. You see, in the Old Testament, in order to access the presence of God, we had to go through a priest that was consecrated and set apart for that purpose. But in the New Testament, under the New Covenant, Covenant church, we can now enter boldly before the throne of God because we have a great high priest. His name is Jesus. So we no longer have to go through somebody else to access the presence of God. Now, this is how we can, we can apply this to us today. Uh, Wayne Grudem says, there's no longer an elite priesthood with claims of special access to God or special privileges in worship or in fellowship with God. Here's how we can apply this today. There is no person here today that has greater access to the presence of God than you. Okay, just because I stand up here and speak the word of God and declare it doesn't mean that I have greater access to the presence of God. The fitness instructor has the same access to the presence of God as the preacher. The stay-at-home mom has the same access to the presence of God as the worship leader. There is no elitism in our faith anymore because Jesus has made a way for us. You are a royal priesthood. That means that you have access to his presence. So if you're facing a hard trial in your life or you're facing something in your life, you can call out to God and you can access him. If you've sinned and fallen short of his glory, you can repent and you can cry out to God and he is faithful and just to forgive your sins. Today, you have access to his presence. 
He has given us that opportunity. He has given us that access. That means that today you are a chosen generation. You are living stones, part of something bigger than yourself. And you are a royal priesthood. And you can access his presence today. You can come before him, even at home. You can come before him and you can meet with him and he will hear you and he will respond to you. Amen? Amen. Number four, we're, we're, we're flying through these. This is good. Number four, a holy nation. Hmm. A holy nation. What is that idea? That's set apart in community. God has set us apart in community. I love how all these have this kind of theme of it's not just the individual, but it's all of us together. We're all in this together. We're all part and set apart as part of a community. Every believer is set apart for him. But I love how it talks about this idea of a holy nation. It's this idea of a, of a movement. It's an idea of, of nationalism, of, of something that is far beyond ourselves, that connects us all. Um, I think one of the places I experienced this idea of this nation, of being part of something bigger than myself, that I remember most recently, uh, was during the 2010 Olympics. Do you guys remember that? And uh, Canada, if you, don't, if you don't know, I'll, just, I'll fill you in. Uh, was playing hockey against the United States for the gold medal in the 2010 Olympics. Josiah was two years old. He was sitting on my knee because I wanted him to be a part of this moment. And I'll never forget sitting there with our family watching this game. And at the end, um, uh, they scored on Roberto Luongo to take it to overtime. And it was, it was like sudden death. One goal wins the whole thing. And I remember sitting there holding my breath as Iggy gets the puck, passes it to Sidney Crosby. Crosby shoots on Ryan Miller. Puck goes in the net. Pandemonium. And one of my favorite things to do is watch these YouTube clips from that time because what would happen, what they, they, there's people that were filming outside in Vancouver, and, and when that goal was scored, the entire city erupted together. Like everybody was in it together. And there was this moment of incredible connection church, we are a part of something greater than ourselves. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin that so easily ensnares and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Listen, we're a part of something greater than ourselves. That means that there is people throughout the generations and throughout the world that are cheering us on and we're cheering them on and we're saying, come on, let's go. Come on. This isn't about life church. This is about the kingdom of God. And that's why when we hear about other churches that are growing and seeing people getting saved and getting baptized, you know what we do? We go, yes, go. Because we're in this together. And we're just a part of this. We're just here today and you're coming in with our stuff and, and with where we're at. But we actually are a part of something greater than ourselves. You know what happened when that goal was scored? I'd say that over half the people in Canada were glued to a television vision set. Do you know what's happening right now all around the world? People are gathering to recognize the presence of God, to worship him, to glorify him, to meet with him, to experience him. We are a part of a global movement and a generational movement. A holy nation. And number five, Peter says that you are God's very own possession. You know what that does? 
that automatically gives us incredible value. See, a famous owner can add tremendous value to an otherwise relatively unvaluable item. I'll give you some examples. There was a tennis racket that was used by Serena Williams. She smashed it during the 2018 U.S. Open final, defeating uh, Naomi Osaka. And that racket, which was a smashed tennis racket, piece of garbage, sold for $20,000 at the auction. So somebody's got a smashed tennis racket sitting in their house right now, and people are going to go out there and go, what do you have this here for? Oh, that is the very racket that Serena Williams smashed when she defeated Naomi. How about this one? There's a, in 2015, the Ludwig drum set used by Beatles member Ringo Starr sold for $2.2 million. It's a drum set. But the owner brought value. Marie Antoinette, the famous French leader, Pearl Pennant sold for $32 million in 2018. How about this one? A pair of Nike Air Jordan 1s, game worn by Michael Jordan in 1985 and signed by the player, sold for $560,000 at auction. A pair of shoes for half a million dollars. Why? Because of the owner. Well, church, you belong to him. And therefore, you have great value. You are of utmost value to him and because of him. Again, in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. You are children of God. You belong to him, and he has paid a great price for you, and you have incredible value. Maybe you came in this morning and you weren't feeling that way. Maybe you came in this morning and you were saying, man, I just, I, I just feel down, I feel depressed, I feel like there's, uh, I'm, I feel I'm, I'm hurting, I feel hopeless, I've been facing it. There is a world around us that is trying to tell you lies. There's a world around us that is trying to speak into your life uh, untruths. There's a devil that wants you to sin so that he can call you a sinner. But there is a God who has called you and chosen you, who has brought you here today, uh, and, and there's no accidents here today. And He has brought you here today to hear the message of the truth that you have incredible value. Online, you have incredible value because of the one who has called you and to the one that you belong. I don't know about you, but I belong to him. I am his, and he is mine. Isn't that a simple message? But do you remember what I said at the beginning? It's those fundamental messages that we need to hear. Because maybe at your portion of life and your paradigm of life right now, that's a new word for you right now, and it's, it's hitting deep in your heart. It's a fresh revelation. 1 Peter 2.9. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And then this is what it goes on to say. Once you know that, 
Once you know who you are in Christ, once you understand the calling and and the, the fact that you're part of something bigger than yourself and that you have value, once you understand that and you see that and you have access to the presence of God today, what can you do then? That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Here's what happens, church, when you understand your identity and you agree with it. By the way, we have to agree with it. That's called faith. Faith is agreeing with God. When, when you hear the word of God and you agree with it, you come into alignment with it. Knowing your identity leads us to worship, to proclaim the praises of him. And what are we to do with that? We're to take those truths and we're to glorify him because it's God who's working in us. It's God who's here with us right now. It's God who's bringing us through. It is God who has called you and chosen you and brought you here. It is God who will complete the work that he began in you. And so then we glorify him because it's not about us. It's actually all about him. We can proclaim the praises of him. And who do we proclaim it to? Everyone. This is not just a message for us. This isn't an us for no more. But this is about the world coming to know the great God who has saved us, who has changed us, and who has redeemed us. Amen? That is the message today. Amen. Well, let's just pray. Ton's going to come back up. I think we should worship because we can. And let's just pray to close the message today and and, uh, and then we're going to spend some time responding in worship. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning once again, Lord God. We just thank you, Lord Jesus, for the work you're doing in our hearts. Father, and I pray for those that came in this morning that were feeling down and depressed and lost, Lord Jesus, and hopeless, Lord God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would encourage them with your truth. Father God, I pray that these words would go past our mind and into our hearts this morning, Lord God, and bring change to us and bring life. Help us to live out this identity that you've declared over us, Lord Jesus. We're grateful, Lord God, that you have done this work in us, Lord Jesus, and you've given us access to your presence and that we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. We're grateful this morning, Lord God, that you've put incredible value on us. Father, I pray that that those that are here that are discouraged would sense that and feel it this morning, Lord God, and that they would know your presence. In Jesus' name. Amen.